And we're back for another episode of Startup Hustle, a podcast for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs. If you want to start, own, or build a business, then you're in the right place. We bring you the real truth about what it's like to take something from concept to launch, from growth, innovation, experience, failing, or winning big, we've got you covered. So let's get down to business with another episode of Startup Hustle, brought to you by Fullscale.io. And we are back. Thank you for joining us for yet another episode of the Startup Hustle podcast. I'm your host, Lauren Conaway, founder and CEO of Innovate Her KC. And I do have to tell you, I'm super excited for this episode's sponsor. Today's episode of Startup Hustle is sponsored by Canva. It's where you go to collaborate and create amazing graphic designs for free, whether it's a presentation to share an idea, a video to launch your business, a social post to start a conversation. With Canva, you can design anything. Discover the magic of visual communication and how Canva can help you create a lasting impact at canva.com. And I do like a little side note, we're actually doing a video series right now. And it is so easy to use canvas tools to put together a professional looking video. I am not a video person and they look great. So I just I highly recommend Canva, even if you are not great at design, you have no confidence, they have so many templates and so many opportunities to create really slick looking materials. Definitely check them out. So today we have with us, and I, I love it. I love our top startups episodes because, uh, you know, Matt and I, we, we record a lot of those. And this next startup is a top Salt Lake City startup. Can, so congratulate them, send them all the love in the world. But we are going to be talking to uh, Sarah Lehman of CEO of Zartico. And Sarah's going to be joining us. She, she's touching on travel and technology. But what we're really, really going to be talking about is how to lead and how Sarah leads. So Sarah, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for, for popping on to, to share your story with us. Thank you, Lauren. It's great to be here. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I am so glad to hear that. And I cannot wait to hear. So I'm going to, I'm going to get right into it. I'm going to ask you, Sarah, tell us about your journey. My journey, I guess I would, I, I guess I would characterize my journey as one of being the road less traveled. Um, I grew up in Green Bay, Wisconsin. It was a wonderful place to have a childhood, but I was one of the few individuals from my high school that actually left the state to go to college. And I went as far as I could out to Boston without sight unseen, having seen the school that I went to. And that really launched into what I would call a career that was look more like um, a Eurorail pass versus A to B, B to C. I, from, uh, from early days, I tried all sorts of different things. Um, my first job out of college was for a startup, which absolutely blew my mind to the opportunities to create something from nothing. Yeah. Um, from there, I went to business school. I followed my husband. I made career choices for family. I went and ran a turnaround in the bike industry, and now I've joined a technology startup in uh, tourism, all of which were interesting to me and a challenge and really, in some cases, unconventional. Like who yeah. goes from the outdoor industry and jumps into technology um, in tourism at 50? <laughs> 
but that's what I did. So. That's, that's incredible. And so, so I have to ask, you know, you, you have a very varied uh experience in, in career history. And so, so one of the things that I've noticed is that people who avail themselves of like multiple industries and verticals and experience, they, they're fundamentally curious. And, and so I have to ask you, cause I, cause I, I find it so interesting that you made the hop from, you know, Wisconsin to Massachusetts and, you know, you're, it, it seems, and correct me if I'm wrong, but it seems that you're just trying to experience as many different kinds of things as possible. Is, is that an accurate statement? Yeah, I I feel like I'm a lifelong student. Like learning is, you know, one of my core values. Yeah. But I'm also a lifelong um, changer in that I love to adopt and learn about different places and cultures and and things that I don't know about. And then I love to apply, you know, those learnings to my current situation, right? I'm running a technology company and yet my experience from my manufacturing business are really relevant. But I wouldn't know that if I hadn't made that jump, that I could live outside right. of a new industry, but pull forward those experiences and those connections. I love that. Well, so, so I, I'm going to ask you to delve a little bit more deeply into that. You know, is, is someone who, I, I'm going to ask about your process, I think. You know, you're, you're in a new environment. You are, you're learning how have you been able to take those learnings tactically and apply them in your day-to-day? Is it just kind of being open and aware? Um, Is it an intentional thing? Like, do you sit down and kind of vision board it out? What does that process look like? Because I I love lifelong learners. Um, You know, some of the best people I know are people who are constantly, you know, asking why and how and what. Um, but, But what I find really interesting about you, Sarah, is is your ability to take that information and that input and turn it outward for, for change. And so I'm just curious to hear about your process there. Well, what I learned at my last business was, you know, let me give you some context. I joined yeah. NV Composites when I was on the brink of bankruptcy. Um, I had absolutely zero manufacturing experience, absolutely zero engineering experience. And I wasn't a cyclist. Like I knew how to ride a bike, but not at the standards of which. Yeah. I wasn't like a professional. I wasn't a professional cyclist. Yeah. And so I walked into this business knowing that it was a turnaround and, you know, the fear of financial failure is a fantastic motivator. So I walked in and I said, okay, what do I need to do to turn this business around? Well, I had no choice, but to ask questions. And that's all I led with. And that has been my fundamental, I guess, guiding principle in any new situation is I just ask a gazillion questions. I don't need to walk in and be the smartest person in the room. In fact, I just need to ask the best questions. Yeah. Um, And so I've continued to apply that in this industry. And so I walk in and I say, well, why do you guys do it this way? How do you think about it? And then from there, I can start to pull in, oh, I've seen this before. And this is how we applied this lesson in that situation. Oh, we need to create a supplier risk mitigation strategy. Okay, I've done that, albeit for a factory, which is fundamentally different than for a data supplier, right? But still the same process. And so I lead out with questions. And again, that probably stems back to my desire to really learn. I'm quite, I just, I'm very curious. 
I I love that. So one of my like internal foundational values is curiosity. Like every single day on this planet, we're going to learn something and something sometimes it's something inconsequential and sometimes it's something dumb, but more often than not it's something really interesting. And so so I love that that's the lens through which you view things. Now, I have to ask you as someone who has consistently tried new things and and even adopted you know, positions and careers and, and you, you've put yourself into situations where you are not the smartest person in the room. And actually really quickly, I, I want to say, this is going to be a little bit of a personal soapbox. So please forgive me, Sarah, but, okay. uh, but I actually think that there are very few situations where you should be the smartest person in the room, like, because that's where growth happens and that's where knowledge transfer happens. And that's where evolution, your personal evolution happens. And so if you are the smartest person in the room, folks, get out of that room. <laughs> That's not the room you need to be in. Uh, so I just wanted to say that really quickly. But as someone who has consistently put themselves into places that see, are seemingly unfamiliar, even though there are clearly you know, commonalities and threads that you can tug on, have you received pushback? Um, a pushback, I would guess I would characterize it as a kind of wonder. <laughs> okay. Like, why, why are you here? Why are you here? I mean, certainly when I joined the bike industry, I, yeah. I would say I've been underestimated. Okay. Absolutely. I would say not pushback, but underestimated, which to me is a great secret weapon. You want to underestimate me? Go for it. Yeah. Um, because two or three times later, you will not. And so I have gotten that. I've certainly gotten uh, you know, early on in my career, I went to sit down at a table that was filled with men and they're like, hey, this is the boys table. And I was like, hey, not anymore. <laughs> I'm, right, sitting right. I'm sitting down. So I don't think it's been pushed back more. So taking a little bit of time for me to, you know, earn the credibility, earn the trust that, yes, even though I'm new to something, um, I listen intently. And I'm deeply curious to how things uh, work in a new place. Yeah, I love that. Well, so it almost sounds like, and, and again, like I, I, I'm taking some like leaps of logic here. So yeah. feel free to like slow me down if, if I'm getting it wrong. But it almost seems like you take that underestimation as a challenge. Like it's galvanized your resolve. Is that accurate? Yes. And I've done one of those personality profiles that says that I like the underdog. Um, you know, my favorite movie of all time is Rudy, which is about this wonderful football yes. player. Yes. Uh, I mean, my dog is named Rudy. Oh my <laughs> gosh. I love it. Well, and I mean, there are so many powerful moments in that movie. Like we're not going to, we're gonna, not going to like turn the podcast topic to that, but I will tell you that I probably could. I love that movie myself. <laughs> yeah. So I, I do like that, you know, that, that drive to, prove to myself that I can do something, um, prove to myself I can learn something new. And even joining this company, right? I really wanted my, I have three teenage kids, yeah. 14 to 18. I wanted my kids to see that at the age of 50, mama could do new things, right? Mom yeah. could go to a new company in a new industry and start over effectively and be successful at it and take those chances and be a little afraid. And so like I'm all in and I'm, I'm really open about it with my kids. And quite honestly, I'm much more open about it with the company that I lead today than I ever have been in the past. Certainly when I joined my first company as a CEO, 
you know, it was a turnaround. So it was a little bit different. Like I had no room for emotion. I felt like I had to make hard choices every day. And some of those were personal choices. And that's just a really tough place to start off in. And so I didn't even have pictures of my kids on my desk for like the first two years. And then in joining this company, I was was like, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to lead all in and I'm going to be authentically vulnerable with the people that I meet and still have maintained the intensity that's required to lead an organization through hyper growth. So yeah, that's what I'm trying to accomplish um, in this chapter, I guess. Well, I love that. So, so I have, I have a question and a follow-up. So my question is how does authentic vulnerability manifest itself for you? Um, like what kind of actions do you take on a day-to-day basis with your team, you know, outside of having like pictures of your kids on your desk and things like that. But when you're interacting with people, what are some things that maybe even our listeners could do to be authentically vulnerable and to show up in that, in that way and in that space? What would you recommend? Well, I think there's two things that I've done more proactively in this chapter. And that is, I say the words, I don't know a lot more. Like, I don't know. Like, that's a really great question. I have no idea how to think about that, but it's, let's, let's think about it together. So I say that a lot more often. And then I lead out often with my failures, whether they be work-related or stuff I've learned in my personal life and trying to manage being a mom and a CEO and so on and so forth. I lead out with that because I want others to know it's safe to be your full self at work. And also let's create a space such that you can, you know, be the things you need to be in your life and still be successful at your job. For Um, sure. So that's, those are the two things that I really um, focus on intentionally. In fact, at our new company, we have something called Roses and Thorns. And every Friday we get on an all hands meeting because we launched our product the week before the world shut down. So we have of no course. choice but to become virtual. Oh, and we're going to so, talk about that in a minute, you, yeah. you crazy thing. But yes. so, <laughs> so um, one of the outputs of that was we have an, a weekly call with every employee in the company. And so now we're up to 50, 50 people come on the call and we lead out with something called roses and thorns. Rose is something that was great from the week, you know, a yeah. highlight. And a thorn is, a, you know, a mess up, an F up. And we encourage our people and I lead out that says, I, you know, mess this up this week. I had a big meeting. I didn't prepare or I botched this question. Our senior leadership team is really engaged in putting themselves out there when they are dropping the ball to illustrate to others that it's, you know, if we're not failing at a software technology company, we're not, we're not pushing hard enough. (laughs) Yeah. Absolutely. You know, we we actually talk about this a lot around Startup Hustle because Startup Hustle was actually founded to to tell the real stories of entrepreneurship. You know, there's this uh, hashtag hustle culture Mm -hmm. that's related to startups where I feel like startup founders tend to be very hesitant to to show their that vulnerability because they're like, well, what if investors don't want to invest in me because they don't have confidence if I share my failures? And and I and I think that you do have to be mindful of the balance. Like I love roses and thorns because there's an automatic balance in that concept. Like I have to be comfortable sharing my failures, but I also have to be comfortable in sharing my successes. You know, the the fact is, and I I, I feel like this affects everybody, but I know that it affects women a lot. You know, we feel like if we share our wins, we're bragging. 
But if we share our failures, we're just being realists. And so I feel like we kind of need to correct that paradigm and understand that as long as you have the actions and the, the results to back it up, realistically sharing your successes is just, you know, it's, it's doing business, you know? Um, so, so I do find that interesting. And, and one of the things that we talk about around Startup Hustle, like perfection can be a goal. You should always be in pursuit of perfection, but you should also realize that you are never, ever, ever going to get it. And you have to get really comfortable with that. Um, so, so I, I love that. I love you. I love your attitude toward it. And, and, and I, I have to tell you, like, I give you major kudos for taking the steps. It, first of all, being self-aware enough to note that like, hey, maybe I'm not presenting my full self at work. And in this position, I now have an opportunity. But I also want to ask you, as you have changed the way that you present yourself to the world, how has the world changed in how they interact with you and how they, how they uh, percept perceptualize, I don't even think that's a word, but how they view you and how they interact with you. What I am finding, and I don't know if this is a coincidence, but I'm going to say it's karma. What I am finding is right now the universe is delivering to me and to our company unimaginably amazing things. And, you know, you could call it a coincidence or we could call it, we're creating an amazing culture that encourages people to come to work as the, their full authentic self. I mean, don't forget, we have hustle and hungry as two of our other values. So, you know, this isn't a kumbaya company. We still have to deliver, but we deliver it through real people um, right. and through a collective. And so I have felt a shift in energy. And I'm not a woo-woo kind of individual, but I do feel that the energy associated with this this culture that we're building has been really positive. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's, it's um, attracting, it's attracting to others. So I'm going to stick with it. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Well, and I, I, I wholeheartedly believe that people do business with people that they, they like and trust. Um, so if you show up as your, your full on authentic self, you're allowing people to get to know you and trust you. And so I, I can see where that makes sense. Uh, you know, you're, you're, I, I also think in, in, in maybe tell us a little bit about your experience with this, but by you, you know, you're the leader of this company and, and, you know, the steward. And so I'm sure that people are looking to you and when they see you being authentically vulnerable, that's the phrase I'm going to keep using because you used it and I really like it, uh, but you being authentically vulnerable gives them permission to be so as well. Are you finding that? 100%. 100%. Uh, you know, we just had our first all company meeting where we brought all, all of our employees together. First time most of us met each other. And much of, so we've created this culture online and now we finally saw it in person. And many of the women, women in particular, have come up to me and said, I cannot tell you how much I appreciate hearing about, I mean, I have three teenagers, you know, this, the, the, the concept of have it all and perfect balance. I mean, it's just non-existent. So right. some days are good and some days are not so good. And I talk about it and, and here's my reality and here's how we've managed it. And here's how we've, you know, we've figured it out over the years. And I'm really open about what's gone well and what's not gone well. And I've had just an enormous number of women from my team come up to me this past week and say how grateful they are to hear that and to feel that they can also put on their calendar from this time to this time, I'm picking my kid up or, yeah. you know, don't, you know, I'm going to do drop off. 
great. I mean, yeah. we're a 24 seven kind of company regardless. We're a startup. So people are working crazy hours. I don't worry about people working too much. I worry about people um, actually taking care of themselves and their loved ones. So right. it's been great. Well, I mean, there, there's that saying out there that you, you know, you put your mask on first, like you cannot give if you have nothing to give, if your reserves are empty. And right. So I love that. Now, now one of the things and I, I'd be interested to hear your thoughts on this. I don't even necessarily have a question so much as a scenario that I'm inviting feedback on. Um, but, you know, one of the things that, I, you know, I came up through through male-dominated industries, and I know I know so many, you know, women who did as well. And I, I was talking about this just the other day. Like, the fact is, when you are one of the very, very few females on an all or mostly male team, um, you, you have to, you have to prove yourself twice. You have to prove your credibility as a woman, and then you have to prove your credibility as a, a team member or an expert in, in what your offerings are. And so, you know, are you finding, or how do you feel about that in the face of women? Finally, you know, we're finally kind of making a societal shift to, acceptance of imperfection and acceptance of, of frailty and vulnerability and authenticity. Um, how, how do you feel about that? I do feel like the, the world is shifting away from us having to prove ourselves as women in more situations than you know, I did 10 years ago. Yeah. Um, our company is 55% female and many of our senior leadership team members are also female. So Oh my uh, God, that just made me so happy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So <laughs> I need you to know that like my insides just vibrated. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, we're a tech <laughs> company and we're 55% female. So I don't feel that on a day-to-day -day basis. Um, and, you know, certainly I'm faced with it in certain situations with, uh, you know, continent negotiations with certain partners and so on and so forth. But in general, I feel like it's it's shifting. Now we are, we have gone through the process of raising money. Um, I would say that that process was quite male dominated. Um, yeah, for which, sure. Yeah. Which I, I was curious about like, Hmm, a, a, an area for us to maybe make some inroads. Yeah. Um, but that, that was, uh, yeah, that was one, one area that I've noticed recently, but again, in my industry, what I have seen is a lot of my partners, are, there's more and more women that are taking on these leadership roles, which is just phenomenal. Yeah, well, it, it, and it's almost as like women in, in certain roles where they have been historically underrepresented are, are becoming more the norm. They're becoming more accepted. Uh, you're just seeing it more and more, which normalizes it. Hashtag representation matters. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Well, so, so, so you're talking about opportunities and I'm going to break in here really quickly and just tell folks plan along at home about another opportunity. Just to remind you, today's episode of Startup Hustle is sponsored by Canva. Uh, with Canva, you can design any idea you've got in your head and you can do it easily. Uh, they have templates by over 500,000, which actually kind of like freaked me out when I found out, but over 500,000 free templates that you can use. And they have a content library that has all kinds of pictures and audio and everything that you could imagine to create really, really strong content for your brand. Uh, strong branding helps you and your team achieve your goals. So definitely take the opportunity, sign up, start designing for free at canva.com. And I have to ask you, uh, so Sarah, we were, we were talking before we hit the record button and you're using Canva right now. 
right? You know, is that right? Uh, yes, we are. And let me tell you, it's an amazing, it's an amazing tool. So we have this mantra internally about playing bigger. Yeah. As in, just because you're small doesn't mean you're not mighty. So let's get ourselves some tools that allow us to be mighty. Sure. And Canva was one of those. Um, we just put our proposals, our, you know, we have to do a lot of contract proposals. Yeah. We just literally drafted up our latest two proposals using Canva and they looked so much more professional. So oh hashtag gosh. play bigger, right? Yeah. I, well, and I'm not, I am not a design person at all. And like, I, I often find myself in the position of creating content for innovator and I'm just like, ah, oh, template, fantastic, plug and play, you know, and it looks great. Uh, it looks like a professional did it. So, so yeah, they, I mean, thank you for sharing that with us, but definitely folks, any tool that makes an entrepreneur's journey and world easier, we're going to be 100% behind. And I am personally telling you that Canva has changed my life. Check it out, canva.com. All right. So, so Sarah, I'm going to get tactical with you okay. here. First things first, tell us about Zartico. We haven't talked about that yet. I've been fascinated by it. Like I, I wanted to unpeel the Sarah Onion you know, layers, but tell us about Zartico now. So Zartico is a technology company that combines big data to help um, manage the visitor economy. And so what do I mean by that? That means helping destinations understand who's in their destination, where are they going, where are they spending money, um, why do they come to the destination? And we harness all this, these insights and provide them to airports, cities, company uh, entities called destination marketing organizations that are government entities that manage the, the destinations for and on behalf of their communities. So is it like the, the visit Tampa's and the visit KC's yes. and the visit Salt Lake City's? In fact, yes and yes. Okay. Visit Tampa right. is one of our um, clients, <laughs> as is Visit Salt Lake. All right. <laughs> okay. And so, so when these organizations are, are accruing this data, the hope is that they're going to use it to create more meaningful uh, messaging and user experiences. Like when people come to our town, like we have a better idea as to who's coming and what they might want and what they might need. Is that, is that kind of how that goes? Yes, it's absolutely about creating better visitor experiences, but it ultimately, at the end of the day, is about improving the community and the quality of life for the resident, right? Oh. Because the, right, the resident oh, is unpack that a little for us. So, so how does this data help make that happen? Well, as an example, you could take an, uh, a destination that has overcrowding, and so how do you level load that? Um, those visitation, that visitation such that you have year round um, uh, tourism in your destination gotcha. versus peak, you know, peak visitation in your destination. Or what if you have under tourism and you need to drum up more? So how do you, how, who do you target and how do you reach them? Because ultimately the value of tourism goes back to the community because it creates jobs and it creates tax revenue, yeah. which can, you know, done well, create a better quality of life for the residents. Okay. Well, I love that. Um, I, I, I know so many people who are just like, I, I, I am a brand advocate for Kansas City. I love this city. Mm -hmm. It's a great place to live, work and play. But being able to leverage data and gather it responsibly, use it effectively. Um, you know, if, if we can make Kansas City better, 
I am all for it. So, so thank you. And, and thanks Zartico for the work that you do to create those really, really positive. You, I, I hate using the term user experience because that feels like such a tech term, but that's really what it is. Yes. Uh, <laughs> that, that is, that's awesome. Uh, now I, I, I gotta ask this because I, I told you I would, I forewarned you, you can't say I didn't warn you, but, uh, you started a company in a pandemic. Yes. And so the company was founded in 2019 by my two co-founders, Darren and Jay Kinghorn. And then I came on in January okay. as, the th- as the third partner. And we, this is January, 2020, mind you. So we launched our minimal viable product to the marketplace, March, 2020. No oh, joke. Perfect timing. Guess yes. what happened in March, 2020. That's right. So <laughs> a year, a week before the world shut down, we launched our product and this is an industry that is primarily driven through uh, trade shows and events. Yeah. And so, you know, I, uh, you know, we had a call, we're on the Zoom and I'm like, hey guys, uh, we're going to run out of money in just a couple of months. So how are we going to sell this product if there's no events? And so God bless my co-founder, Darren Dunn, who, and he and our uh, chief revenue officer rented an RV and drove it from San Francisco to Ocean City, Maryland and brought the trade show to the people. And mind you, this is when we were still Lysoling your fruit. Oh, for sure. <laughs> I mean, how, they, how innovative though. Were, pe- were people comfortable with that with that process and that like access point? So we did, yes, we did four, they did 42 in-person meetings in the parking lot. They set up, uh, you know, a mock trade show booth. Everyone was masked up, socially distant, outside. And that's how we launched our company. <laughs> Oh my gosh, that is amazing. I love that so much. Yeah. And so that was in 2020 and we've grown to 50 people. And now we have over 125 partners, yeah, mostly domestic that, um, you know, are now using Zartico to help manage their destinations. That That's incredible. Can you, can you talk to us about a Zartico success story? Oh my goodness. I know well, I'm making you pick just one. It's 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 a terrible question to ask, but I'm asking it anyway. <laughs> well, that's really fantastic. Let me. There's so many. Um, okay, I'll I'll give you an example. Uh, we've worked with a comp, um, a client who has a major sporting event in their destination. Their contract was up for renewal. Um, this sporting event was deciding whether or not they wanted to stay in that particular destination. And as you can imagine, the sporting event brought millions of dollars in both taxes and jobs into that destination. And so we helped this partner pull together all the insights and evidence to the importance of the sporting event yeah. to help put forth incentives to keep on, um, to keep this uh, sporting event in the destination. And they just re-signed their contract to stay in the destination. That is Awesome. And how, so, so as, as one of the leaders and visionaries of this company, how did that feel? <laughs> it felt obviously really, really um, inspiring, conf, conf, confirmatory, you know, that we're in the right hey, hey, we're, do, we're doing something good here. We did something. Yeah. yeah, we did something. And it helps the residents and the, it helps the visitors and the residents. So, you know, that's one of many we've done, you know, hundreds and hundreds of, you know, one-off questions to answer these small, these strategic questions that are facing our wonderful communities to help them make better decisions. So it is very gratifying to do yeah. the work that we do. Well, I, I love that. And I'm, I'm thrilled that you have landed in a place that is so, is so meaningful. Uh, I, I want to kind of ask, I, I want to ask about 
the vision or the future. And the first, first I'm going to ask about tourism and destination marketing and, you know, what do you think will have the most significant impact on tourism and destination marketing, let's say in the next five years? I think we're going to move where we will realize a true digital transformation. And so this is an industry that in many ways doesn't have a direct point of sale, yeah. right? No one's tracking you as a visitor. And yet the visitor economy is accounts for 10% of the global GDP. Yeah. But it's still being managed off of spreadsheets and annual surveys. Ugh. And so by using big data science and these high frequency granular data sets to really understand movement and spend and flow, I think we can provide situational awareness to our destinations that make to, to give them the chance and opportunity to make better decisions for their communities. And so I do believe fundamentally that we will see a digital transformation in this industry. Awesome. Anything that we can do to get away from the dreaded collection of spreadsheets that don't talk to each other, they're not dynamic, and you're just like, oh, oh data entry. All right. Exactly. There be a better way. Exactly. Uh, so, so now, all right, I, I'm going to keep on winnowing down and just getting more specific. That was like the 10,000 foot view. And now we're going to go to the 5,000 foot view. What do you see as, as the future of Zartico? Well, we hope to be the primary means that causes this digital transformation, right? We call yeah. ourselves a destination operating system such that if we can create this ecosystem, I mean, the ecosystem exists, right? Yeah. So the ecosystem of hoteliers and attractions and airports and For sure. all these players that have the lens of the visitor economy, if we can connect them through an operating system that talks to each other, oh my goodness, talk about the decision-making that could be made if the airport understood what was happening at the theme park and the theme park understood what was happening at the local um, sports arena. So we're looking at this as an ecosystem yeah. that, that needs to be connected. Oh, I love that. Like anytime you take like a holistic view of, I, so I'm an ecosystem building evangelist and like you said that word and I was like, oh, happy times. <laughs> uh, but no, that, that I, I mean, the potential is huge. I mean, this is, this represents billions and billions of dollars worth of economic drivers and, and, you know, getting them all on the same page. I can't imagine how transformational that could be. Yeah. So now... I mean, this is my most specific question. What's the future for Sarah? Mm. Well, that's a great question. I certainly want to continue to grow this company. Um, we have global aspirations. Yeah. Um, you know, I was inspired by the power of tourism throughout my global, you know, travels these last, you know, 20 years. So I want to see this company achieve its global aspirations um, and build a company that really reflects the culture that I believe is possible, right? That's hardworking, that delivers results and thinks about its people and puts their full authentic self, you know, at the forefront. Like so, they're actual human beings? Yeah. No yeah. way. <laughs> yeah. Imagine that. So I'm going to do that for as long as they let me. <laughs> oh, I, I, I love that so much. And, and I, I, you know, I, I think it's so important to acknowledge the fact that that the people, often the people who set the culture, are are the leaders of an organization. And if 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 leaders are not intentional about setting a culture, someone else will do it for them, and it will probably not be the kind of culture that 
you want to see. And so Correct. the fact that you're you're thinking this through at such a both both the macro and micro levels is really impressive. And I mean, clearly, like that's really all it takes. Like you just have to be intentional about it. You have to marry your your thoughts and your feelings and your beliefs and your culture and your values to action. And then boom, bada bing, bada boom, there you go. So, and and you're doing it, you're doing the work and that's, it's just so impressive. Um, And you don't, you don't see that too often. Uh, I I, I think, I think you're right. I think, I think we're starting to see it more, but um, you know, we've still got some grace and space to, to go. And so the fact that you're leading the charge is really impressive. So I I thank you for that. Thank you. Yeah. It's it's quite a journey. (laughs) Absolutely. So one of my favorite, favorite things to do, and we've, we've touched on this a little bit, so I'm going to ask for just a little bit more. Uh, I am aware that I'm kind of double dipping on a question. I just think it's important. Um, you know, the, the folks who listen to this show, we love to give them advice that they can implement in their businesses. Like the, these individuals, you, you know, y'all might not work for a you know travel data aggregator, like you, you, what you're... You, there's transferable stuff in there. And, and one of the things that Sarah is clearly very gifted at is leading with that authentic vulnerability. And so Sarah, I'm going to ask you to double down. And if you talking to the, the entrepreneurs who are listening around the globe, what is your advice to them about, or, or even your encouragement about implementing authentic vulnerability in their lives and in their work? Hmm. Um, You've given uh, well, us some, I, would, I just want more. <laughs> okay. I would say that it gets easier, that it's like a muscle. Yeah. I mean, it's like exercise. At first, it's really hard. It's hard for a couple months. It's, you know, but after a while, it, it just becomes natural. Like you wake yeah. up, you exercise. I think that's a lot about the kind of leadership I'm talking about is that you show up every day and you ask questions and you present your true self in the sense that nobody knows any everything. It's yeah. just not possible. And so, again, I would just say um, it's hard at first, but it gets easier and easier. And yeah. I can remember a gazillion times when I was like, oh, I feel really vulnerable. I feel really um, exposed because I admitted that I didn't know something. And I probably, they're probably saying to themselves, well, and she went to Harvard. You know, you don't have any idea how many times someone has said that to me. And you yeah. went to Harvard? I'm like, yeah, I did. <laughs> but it doesn't mean I'm a, you know, I didn't go to Wall Street. But it doesn't like mean that. that you're infallible. It just means yeah. that, that you are smart and you're able to apply learning. <laughs> That's right. And so, you know, I say this is my day job is to grow and build companies that are filled with amazing people. Your day job is to do X, Y, and Z. So I, of course, I'm not an expert in your job. Like I know enough to, you know, have a conversation with you, but you know, you are the expert. So my advice would be, don't get, di- don't get um, discouraged by those few moments in your, you know, over the course of this, that um, you might feel a little bit exposed. Sure. Cause it really does come back at you. Yeah. Well, I, I, I'm actually deeply bummed about this because this has been a great conversation, but I'm going to ask you the human question now, Sarah, and I'm going to ask you, uh, your personality and like who you are, you're a color. What color are you? And get specific. I don't want to just hear blue. I want to hear like Robin's egg blue and why, what color are you? I am definitely a, like a forest green. Okay. Um, and I'm a forest green because my, 
my most favorite place in the world is to be outside in the woods. Yeah. I'm um, doing anything, camping, hiking, running, walking, doesn't matter. And that's probably why I live in Utah, right? Because I yeah. absolutely love. It's a love, good place love. for that. Yes. Just <laughs> love the outdoors. I grew up camping, you know, and so. So you're kind of an earthy individual and, and forest green is a very strong color as well. And I feel like you, you are a strong individual. Yeah, um, and it but, happens to be the color of money. <laughs> I can say, hey, you know, that, that ain't nothing. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, I love that and I, I can definitely see it. Uh, and I and I also love, Sarah, that you, you have taken the time to sit and chat with us, talk to us about Zartico, talk to, talk to us about your journey as a leader. Uh, this has been absolutely lovely, and I'd like to thank you for that. Well, thank you, Lauren. It's been great to be here. I really appreciate it. Yay. All right. And, and once again, we have to say a big thank you to today's episode sponsor, Canva. With Canva, you can work, uh, you can actually collaborate really easily. And I didn't know this until, relative, until relatively recently. But uh, since I found this out, you can actually you can seamlessly collaborate in real time. So you just invite people to your Canva team and you're able to to change things and update and, you know, talk through things in real time, get on the same page as your team with seamless real-time collaboration. It is, it, it was a game changer for me because I didn't actually know that you could do it until recently. Uh, so, so we want to ask you folks playing at home, what will you design today? Well, go to, go to canva.com and find out, explore and start designing for free. Cannot recommend it highly enough. I would also, you know, we, we mentioned at the top of the episode that, uh, Zartico is a top Salt Lake City startup. Uh, one of my favorite types of episodes to record are the top the st top blank city startups with Matt DeCourcy. We always have a ton of fun, but you can definitely check out the top startups of Salt Lake City. It aired on 420, and uh, you can find the link in the show notes. And we are we're just hoping that you'll give it a listen because there's a lot of really cool stuff happening in Salt Lake City, Sarah. I, I'm sure you're aware of it. <laughs> Yeah. It's a great place to be. Come visit. Absolutely. Yeah. You know what? And, and as somebody, I feel like you, you have more insight than most as somebody who deals in so many destinations. So uh, we will definitely keep that in mind. Uh, visit SLC. Folks, uh, we are extraordinarily grateful. And I'm going to speak on for myself and on behalf of all of the co-hosts of Startup Hustle. We're extraordinarily grateful that you take the time week after week to give us a listen. Uh, to learn with us, to to hear stories, uh, to listen to me babble sometimes, but we're just very grateful for you. So keep on doing it and we will catch you on the flip side. Great. Thank you. Startup Hustles brought to you by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. Make sure you reach down and hit that subscribe button, then come find us on Instagram. See you next time.